Battlewine podcast. Uh, got some interesting news, you know, some actually pretty wild news going on militarily. And when that type yeah. of stuff is happening, we like to get into it. So that'll be in the first segment. And then we have former Blackwater contractor Rob Jabber coming on for the interview segment. Yep. Um, but for those of you joining us for the first time, which uh, every episode there's new listeners, uh, if you're unfamiliar, my name is Ian Scott. I am Tonto. And yeah, we're, we're excited to get into this this episode. If you've, if you've uh, picked up the uh, Patriots Creed, you may have heard Rob Jabber's story. So it'll be interesting to get into that more in depth. Before we do, what keeps us going and what keeps this show alive is really our sponsors. And if you listen to the SHOT Show episode, man, the company is getting to meet a lot of these guys for the first time. If you want to see people who have true passion for what they do, companies like Fort Scott, companies like Medieval Industries, yeah. It's really incredible seeing how much passion they put into their product. So if you've been with us since the beginning, so is Fort Scott Munitions. They are a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states. Just go to the dealer locator on fortscottmunitions.com and you're going to find where to where to get their stuff. Uh, for me, for example, it's South Shore Sportsman and Merrick. So shout out to them. Shout out to anybody who's carrying Fort Scott Munitions. Um, use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. They have merch on there that you could pick up. Of course, there's an ammo shortage. So you're not going to see all of that stuff on there. But check out the dealer locator. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline Podcast. Once again, link is in the description, Fort Scott, M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S dot com, and use the promo code Battleline. And today's show is sponsored in part by Medieval Industries. They manufacture the only fully adjustable foregrip on the market. The 360-degree VFG mounts to all tactical rails and allows you to swivel and lock the grip into any position on the fly. Whether you're hunting, shooting for sport, or challenging yourself in precision tactical shooting competitions, this unique adjustable foregrip will become a natural extension of your rifle. Medieval has expanded their product line to include a quick detach tripod and most recently quick detach adjustable monopod. They've designed and engineered the necessary components to create a tactical shooting system and have integrated the QD tripod into their line of modular quick-detach accessories. Medieval's newest setup, the Overwatch Commander, is an extremely stable shooting platform that's quickly and easily deployed into tight spaces. This new lightweight compact system is capable of what many heavier, larger tripods on the market can do and allows for widespread accessibility because of its small footprint. The entire system weighs just under six pounds and deploys in seconds. Medieval Industries is committed to providing all gun enthusiasts with precision-engineered, high-quality weapon accessories, 
All products are designed and developed with first-rate materials for strength and endurance. And if you listen back to the SHOT Show episode, we get really in-depth. So check that out and check them out at mid-evil.com, mid-evil.com. Let's go. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. All right, we get my article here. The switch is on. Battleline podcast, a lot going on, as I said today, um, that we wanted to get into. But uh, yeah, before we do, how's everything going, man? Yeah, it's just cold. It, it cold, got cold out here. And yeah, since we moved from Nebraska to Kansas, and I'm not allowed to say where in Kansas or I get thrown out of the house. Uh, it, it's, it's actually, <laughs> it is. Location. Um, you know, we're, we're down more southern Kansas. It's It's been, honestly, the weather has been more enjoyable down here. It, it, you know, <clears throat> Omaha just gets cold. I mean, even... So even when we don't get the snow when I used to be living in Omaha, it just gets butt-ass cold. <laughs> I mean, that cold that your fingers hurt. And, you know, in Kansas, it gets colder. We, we've got a lot of snow right now. We had that big snow. Same yeah, here, if you've New been York. paying attention, I think everybody got the snow except for Miami and maybe uh, Newton. So, and, but some of Florida hit like yeah, 30 Yeah, I know. It, it did. That. Like Destin and all that got cold. That's why Ranger School in the wintertime, guys, when I say I went Ranger School in the wintertime in Florida – this is how it, we we got those cold storms going through. But anyway, anyway, uh, um, it just you don't have that bite here, that freaking bite cold from the wind that you get in the Dakotas and you get in Nebraska and you get in Iowa um, and you do get in the northern parts of Kansas or out the western parts of Kansas. But where we live, it's just it's the winter has been very pleasant. It really has. And, and the snow is, you know, it's it's cold today, but. It'll last for a day and then it's then it's gone out of here and it'll be, you know, it's supposed to be 50 degrees next week, 55, maybe even to get in the 60s. So it, it fluctuates okay. a little bit more in, in Kansas, like the differences, but it's enjoyable. And I can get outside and run more in, in the wintertime, which is nice. Yeah. And meeting um, the guys at Fort Scott Munitions and just talking to them about Kansas yeah. and stuff, you know, I, I got to little, learn a little bit more about the area and uh, and some of them moved there just to, to work with Fort Scott, for example. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to get into this article, though. Um, this is being covered all over, but this one specifically is from The Hill. Uh, this is this is pretty big news, I would say. So Biden calls for Taliban to release American hostage before uh legitimately recognizing them before uh, legitimacy was recognized. So, so this reads, uh, President Biden on Sunday, and for those listening, um, you're listening on Monday, so this doesn't mean yesterday, Sunday, last week, Sunday. 
called for the release of American hostage Mark Frerichs ahead of the two-year anniversary of his abduction if the Taliban expects to be recognized as the legitimate government of Afghanistan. And then the quote is, two years ago tomorrow, U.S. Navy veteran Mark Frerichs was taken hostage in Afghanistan, a civil engineer. He spent a decade helping the people of Afghanistan. He has done nothing wrong, and yet for two years the Taliban has held him captive, Biden said in a statement. Threatening the safety of Americans or any innocent civilians is always unacceptable, and hostage-taking is any act of particular cruelty and cowardice, he said. The Taliban must immediately release Mark before it can expect any consideration of its aspirations for legitimacy. This is not negotiable. Frerichs, a U.S. Navy veteran, was abducted in February of 2020. He had worked as an engineer for a decade in Afghanistan on development projects. The State Department is currently offering a a reward of up to $5 million for information that leads to the location, recovery, and return of Frerichs. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken echoed Biden's call on Sunday, saying in a statement, we call on the Taliban to release him. We will continue working to bring him home. Frerich's sister, Charlene uh, Kakara, said in an interview published on Saturday by Daily Herald in their native Illinois that her family has recently spoken to Roger Carstens, the special presidential envoy for hostage affairs at the State Department. We know he is trying to get Mark home, but this is a decision that has to be made at the top, said Kakora. Uh, they want to trademark for one of their guys who has been in U.S. prison for 17 years. According to Kokora, Illinois St- Senators Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth have also provided excellent support and have worked to make Mark a priority. The worst part is worrying if Mark has enough to eat, if he is healthy and safe in the middle of a pandemic, if he has warm clothes, she added. We wish we could speak with him, but the Taliban doesn't want anything from us. They want something from the U.S. government, and we need our government to act on this. So with that... I'm actually surprised that I have not, I, I'm ashamed to say, I have not heard the name Mark Frerichs until a couple of days ago. This is not a story that was on my radar, and I don't think it was being reported much. And I really didn't know that we had a former uh, a, a veteran uh, who was being held hostage over there for the past two years. Yeah, he, and, you know, that's just, that's not media news. It, you know, he, I'm not hating to say, it. you you know, and I do, that's not a story that, Especially with everything else going up in the in the, the election, the election with the presidential election and, and all all that that went on, um, the news was to well to to get people elected and to to keep keep doing this pandemic or endemic I would call it now to be honest with you, um, I wouldn't even call it a pandemic I think that's just a catchword now to make people still scared, but um, brother it, it's it's just how the U.S. government is, buddy. I, I you know and and maybe maybe. In, in, in a positive way, I'm saying this positive, maybe they were doing that because I, I figured they were getting troops ready, you know, trying to find him to go get him, you know, because that's what Delta and, and SEAL Team 6 and, you know, FBI HRT that still work internationally from time to time. And, you know, then, of course, the Rangers and, and MARSOC and so forth. Maybe they were hatching a plan to to find to get him. So the best thing to best thing to say is nothing at all, which to me is the best thing in any sort of clandestine operation is don't say anything. Don't get it to the media because the media are are the best Intel collection for our enemies is CNN and Fox and MSNBC there. They don't need their own Intel services because our media gives out everything that they, they need to, they need to know. But um, it sounds like that wasn't the case. And now here we go. Um, Yeah. 
to me, that sounded like we were negotiating with terrorists is what that said. Hey, you're not going to be recognized until you let him go. Well, how about you just say, we're, you're not going to be, if you don't let him go, we're going to come and be, we're going to come and basically bomb the living shit out you, which I guess that's my aggressive military ranger way of thinking instead of saying, Hey, let him go or you won't be recognized as a legitimate, really uh, the Taliban, you're going to recognize a terrorist organization as a legitimate government, whatever. Uh, it, it it it. Do you think he'll be? Do you think he'll be released though? Uh, if he's still alive, this guy will. No, no let's. Is the Taliban going to release him so they will become deemed legitimate in the world in the Western world? The Taliban doesn't give two shits about the Western world. They hate us. They despise us. They think the Western world is we're the infidels. That hasn't changed. That has not changed from two thousand one or even before that with nineteen ninety three with this you know Black Hawk Down. Islamist extremists, the Western world, we are infidels, we are lesser humans, and that, no, they, they won't. And if they do, then great, the thing then that's I'm crazy, then, I'm, then I, I'd be yeah, happy to be wrong. The thing that's crazy, too, is is you really feel for this guy when, um, I wasn't sure if he was a as active duty, and I was, like, trying to research a Wait, little Nate, more. Nate, Nate, if um, I remember right, Navy, he was, you know, his former Navy, um, sub. For, but former Navy, yeah. because he's, he's actually an older guy. Yeah. I mean, he's nearly 60 years old, and, and it makes you, look, in any situation you feel for someone going through this, but to be almost 60 and having to be in this scenario is... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ridiculous. It, it, well, and, and, you know, I, I guarantee you that old hard head, he probably knew what he was getting into. So I'm sure he'll tell you, well, that was part of the risks of the job. And, and he wouldn't poo-poo about it, cry about it or anything. But, yeah, to have nobody go get him, um, no special operations unit or the intel CIA, which, is, hey, buddy, what, what are you doing, CIA? You're supposed to be locating this guy for them not to be able to find him in two years. Which, well, apparently. Is it tell Maybe I, I don't. A, a, apparently the Navy SEAL is from what I've seen, the Navy SEALs did work to rescue him at one point. Um, but th- that's all they, they hit. They hit a, a, I believe it was a, what we call a dry hole. They hit a hit in there. They, it wasn't there. Um, the, the guys, no, the guys on the ground, the guys doing the work, they, I know they want to go get him. I know they want to go find him and they're, they're pissed off that they, they're not able to do so, or they can't find him or brother, you know, the, the realism of it all. And you'll ask, Guys, even though they want to be optimistic, the real—it's been two years. He he may not be alive, and and they still may be using him as a as as a tool to get to get the America get America to um, to address the the needs and the wants and the things that the Taliban Taliban wants. You know, they're they're that whatever the Taliban needs to needs to put out there media wise or just to negotiate with. They're going to keep saying, "Well, he's still alive." I mean, that's just that's how they are. They've done it before. They'll, they, they'll do it again. There's no integrity there. But if he is alive, I, I hope the agency is still trying to find him. I hope the human guys, the human intelligence gatherers out there, are still trying to to find him and locate him and get a location. So you know, they, so one of those special ops units, one of those units, can go get him and find him. And you never know; maybe somebody will stumble across him. And 
a lot of these times with these many years, I say a lot, man, I, a lot being two or three, <laughs> but to me, that's a lot. It's a local that actually finds him and befriends him and gets him out of there. When it's this long, it's a, it's, it's a local. And that's why, that's why it still bothers me that we left Afghanistan, how we did, because it, I, I would put dollars again, my thing, my saying dollars to donuts, a local, if he's still alive, finds him is friendly to the Western Western world, loves the Western world, loves America and gets him out of there. And then we come and grab him after he's taken to a safe spot within whether Pakistan, Afghanistan, so forth, somewhere where, okay, I got him. Yeah. He's an asset. We got it. It's an asset that's friendly to the United States that uh, it's a local national. And then we go pick him up. Um, I think that is probably a best case scenario. Um, that we could hope for, um, for finding a needle in a haystack and then sending uh, troops to go get him. I, I don't think our Intel service has proven to be able to do that without help, a lot of help from the locals. And if you're an Afghani national now, why the fuck would you want to help America? We just, we just, we just shit on you. And like, well, I'm not going to help America now. Fuck what they didn't get us out of here when we were helping them and they were leaving. Why the hell am I going to help him now? And, and basically condemn his family or her family, whoever helps him to death, because that's what will happen. Um, but brother, I, I hope he gets out too. I hope they find, I hope he's still alive. And, um, you know, uh, Tammy Duckworth was good to me when we did the Benghazi hearings. Um, and she, you know, she's, she's a veteran. She was a Blackhawk pilot. She, flew, yeah, she yeah. flew us, she flew us around in Ranger school. Um, I think I, pol- politics aside, I don't care what side she's on as far as Democrat, I give two shits. I think she really does have, the best interests of, of this guy in mind and, and doesn't see it as a political statement. It's more, Hey, we need to get him out of here. So I'm glad she's on it. Um, but again, bro, I, 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 the, the, the odds are stacked and I'm just being real. The odds are stacked against uh, this gentleman, unless a local national in the area finds him and still trusts America enough to help. But I'm telling you what, if he does, he's condemning his family and his family's family and whatever tribe he's with to death from the Taliban. And and why would you do that with what we just did to him? I mean, that's my opinion. If I'm I'm trying to think like an Afghani, you know, and um, but I, I don't know, man, it, 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 it kind of pisses me off. But, yeah, I, I remember that. I do remember when he was captured. But you're right. It kind of went out of the news. And I didn't even think about it till I, I, I saw it on the 1440 or. You know, the news thing we get. Yeah, which I'm I'm glad that at least it's being addressed by Biden. At, at least he's addressing this because, like I said, it wasn't on my radar. So someone put it on his radar to make it a well, priority to get this. Yeah, well, I hope it was I hope it was Congress Congresswoman Duckworth. I, I really have a lot of respect for her in the and from my experience within the select committee hearings that I went through like two or three times there for for Benghazi. She, you know, I I know she didn't really back us and what what you know because of her being democratic, but I, I, she never treated me with disrespect. And again, she's got a lot of military experience. And I think, I don't think politics play anything to her when it comes to situations like this. So I'm, you know, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I'm glad it's being addressed. Uh, I hope it t- have, hope they get him out. Um, and I hope, uh, I hope a local that hope, Hey, maybe we got people in Afghanistan, in Afghanistan listening to our show. If you're a local Afghani, I think we do actually, I, yeah. I, man. Um, and you know where this gentleman's at, um, help him get him out of there. And, and, and I promise you, if you are, and I'm putting it in, this is on me and you, I'm, I'm making a bold statement here. If, if, if you are treated like shit by America, after you help this gentleman, we will definitely go to bat for you. 
and call call them out because we, we want to make sure you get out of that country too because I know you've sentenced your life to death if you stay there by helping find the this veteran to get him out of Afghanistan. So Ian, sorry, I just put I just barely rolled the dice there on that one. We may have a big if if he doesn't get treated well or doesn't get his family out of there because they do. If he helps, he's got it. They got to bring him his family out of there along with the POW along with the, the veteran that's. Yeah. Which I mean, I was wondering, would you technically call him a POW because he's not he wasn't, you know, serving in combat there. He's a he's a vet. He's a vet. Well, it was during I think we were still calling it the global war on terror at the time. So, um, yeah, but I'm saying I don't think he was he has been active being that he's nearly 60. I, so, I assume, he has you know, what, if he was a contractor, I still say you're a prisoner of war. I mean, that's what you are. You, you, you know, whether it's the right term as far as definition goes, I don't care. It was during global war on terror. You were serving America. You were there doing whatever. Yeah, it just says it just said he had worked as an engineer for a decade. And, so, and that, if he was over there with the Army Corps engineers, Army Corps engineers hires a lot more contractors than they actually have guys that are serving at the time. That's a, it's a big that's a big area where there are contractors, DOD contractors. And to me, by definition, I, you know me, dude, I don't give two fucks about what the definition is. You're there. You were captured during the global war on terror before it was in before it was ended in a fiasco to me, you're a prisoner of war and should be treated as such and should be put at that high yeah. of a pedestal, get him out of there. You know, we leave nobody behind. Well, we've seen, and I've seen personally that that isn't always in the case in DC, but it sounds like at least someone in DC is still adhering to that, which hey, that's a great sign, you know, with the shit that goes on in DC and the lack of integrity there, that's a bright to me. That's a that's a bright spot, and we need a lot more bright yeah. spots in in the Beltway because there's not a lot of them there. So, and I, I just wanted to address in terms of the accuracy of the reporting because I sent this to you. Uh, you know, not I don't know if I want to call enough at him. Uh, a place I previously worked, I guess you would say, <laughs> had a headline that Mark Frerichs was a Navy SEAL. So I'm sure a lot of people picked up on the story and said Navy SEAL captured. And, uh, and look. I could possibly be wrong. I don't know the guy, but I've looked at every single other source and there's not one source that calls him a Navy SEAL. And I checked with other guys I know, and apparently he was a Navy diver. And, and these, uh, these, um, you know, tidbits are are very important. You know, Navy diver, Navy SEAL, very different. If he was a Navy diver before it, like Vietnam times, before the advent of the SEALs, that's the precursor to the seals were Navy combat divers. Then they, then they became seals. So it's kind of like how Lerp. Oh, like, like Jesse Van Turk. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So I, but I did read that too. And to me with your past organization, I see that as just clickbait. I mean, I don't know what you think. That's like, Hey, you know, I don't know. I just, I saw it and I just think it's important to get the accuracy yeah. correct. And look, if, if I'm incorrect, I totally I, I'm. I will always correct myself. I, but I, correct. I, I, I just. Agree. I haven't seen any article that called him a seal, other than from this one well, place. I, so I. I don't think that's accurate. But and but regardless, he's an American. He served. He was there during yeah. the global war on terror. He he was working. From what I understand and reading the article as well, he was a do. He was a DOD contractor working for the as an engineer, which leads me to believe that he's working for the Army Corps engineer, which is helping rebuild the infrastructure of of Afghanistan, and he was captured. 
And to me, he's a yeah. prisoner of war. I don't, the, the definitions that these kids in DC use, these smart kids, the smart kids that have never. No, I mean, I just don't, I, I don't know if prisoner of war technically means someone who is in active duty. That, that's all that I, uh, the only pr- point I'm making. Pris- I got you, but prisoner of war from is if you are serving and you're captured, you know, you can, the, the, any, it's a big catchphrase, you know, Vietnam, prisoners of war, prisoners of war, we never found them. Um, you are serving. Um, so by definition, yeah, if you wanted to get technical, not you, you out there that want to troll us. If you want to get technical, ah, Tano, he wasn't a prisoner of war. No, well, fuck you. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he was there during the war. He got captured serving the United States, serving and working for the United States of America, just like uh, my buddy Tombstone, who was captured with Pakistan, you know, Jiras operator that was that was captured after zipping up a guy that tried to rob him in Pakistan. Hey, that's why you don't try to zip up, rob a GRS operators on the street guys. They zipped him up with, and he got captured to me. He was still a prisoner of war, even though he was a GRS contractor, he still was. And and he was treated as such. Gotcha. So, uh, but, but, but yeah, I'm not busting your balls, dude. I'm busting the balls of our listeners. Whoever wants to troll us out there. And, oh, and so, yeah, don't no, think I'm even, busting your balls, You know, dude. I always want to make sure it's accurate. Cause I was even wondering when, when I'm reading this, is it technically a prisoner of war? Is it not? But, but with that, we do have to get to Rob Jaffer, but just to, um, Shit. just to transition here, I'm going to go from this very serious story to talking about balls. <laughs> Why am I talking about balls? Because proper grooming requires precision engineered tools. Not only do a man's sensitive areas require it, but hygiene demands it. Manscaped is the global leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. The skin-safe technology are set back from the edge three millimeters and precision-engineered for maximum confidence while trimming below the waist. Trimming in the shower is also easy and creates less mess. Comfortably operate the Lawnmower 4.0. That's their new yep. one, the 4.0 trimmer in wet or dry conditions. Just go to, you don't even have to go to their site. Go to battlelinepodcast.com slash manscaped, and it'll bring you right there to get a free pair of boxers, a toiletry bag, and free shipping with your purchase of the Performance Package 4.0. This stuff is great. I mean, this is essential. We're not in the summer yet, but we're getting there at at some point, and you're going to want to be made. And I am shorn, and the best way to do it is in the shower. you got to shorn, and if you're going to shorn yourself, do stuff. I've used some crappy stuff, and when you pinch or cut down there, it doesn't feel good. Not and, not, and that was before the advent of Manscaped, when all of us had to do it with the, the Bic razor in the shower. Do it, But guys, their stuff is tremendous. Uh, and yeah, you, you you make a mess if you don't get in the shower. Now their stuff is, uh, it's waterproof. It is waterproof, really. It is not water resistant, waterproof. So use it, buy it, get it. And and um, yeah, my wife is very still happy that I am shorn down below. And <laughs> I guarantee you, your significant other or future significant other is going to be happy too. My wife is, and I'll say it, and she's going to be pissed off. I am saying it, but she always <laughs> said, yeah, I don't want you to ever have anything, any growth down there anymore. And, and um, yeah, got to, got to get the lawnmower down there. And sometimes, and that's, uh, that's what Manscapes for. So yeah. Check it out guys. Battlelinepodcast.com slash Manscaped. And when it comes to protein supplements, I've said this recently, you know, if you're taking a whey protein, if you're even taking a vegan protein, this is all stuff that you're getting regularly in your diet, but you're not getting collagen in your diet. So really it's essential. This is an essential thing to have, whether it's for joint recovery, whether it's for hair, skin and nails, or just recovery from a workout. Bub's Naturals, it's something we use every day. After a workout, you could put it in your coffee in these warm, in these cold months, 
I'm so, I meant to say, if you want a warm drink, you could put this in your hot chocolate. It's great. It mixes with everything. Uh, and you use, you know, I've got it. oil every yeah. day, apple cider, vinegar, gummies, all their stuff is great. And, and the, the fountain of youth is tremendous. My wife uses the fountain of youth too. She does see her, her hair grow and, and nails grow mine too. And I, you know, I'm 50 years old guys and I got my nails growing on my hair, uh, for my, for my outer rigs pomade actually still, I got enough hair to do it. So, uh, Guys, Bubs is uh, Bubs is awesome. I, I swear by it. It's, so, it's like them and Ned's. If you want a healthy life, Ned, them and a healthy lifestyle, put Bubs as part of your lifestyle every day, and it will. You'll see the difference, and you'll feel the difference in your joints. You'll feel the difference in your in just your your recovery and your muscles. I, I do. I, I can work out every. I do. I work out every day. I don't even take a day off anymore. And wow. I have to say that's it's more than I could say. I, well, I, I have to say I, I can at 50 years old because of, of companies like, like Bubs that makes products that are good for a healthy lifestyle and they're natural, you know, natural and the stuff, it, it, it tastes good. I mean, who wants to take crap that doesn't taste good? It, it does. And, and you're right. The collagen is tremendous. It just dissolves right away along with the MCT oil in my coffee and, um, you know, two scoops a day and the gummies work tremendous guys, Healthy lifestyle, you got to add bubs into it. I swear by it. Ian swears by it. We've been using it now. How long have we been using it now? Quite a few. I mean, it's been really a couple of years at this point, more for me because I've known Sean for a while oh. now, for probably more like four or five. Oh, and, you, and you got me interested to it and all, into it. And, and also the proceeds, you know, part of their proceeds yes. go to the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation, my former Juris teammate that died saving lives in Benghazi, Libya on 9-11, 2012. And he did. His, his heroism shit saved, uh, saved Dave Ubin and Oz, who were basically blow, had their arms and legs blown off by an 81 millimeter mortar. Um, so, you know, that is another reason why to take buffs, not just because it's awesome, but because they have good hearts and their money goes to the right places when they help foundations. So, yeah, tremendous, guys. If you haven't tried it, try it and use our discount. We got a great discount with them. Yeah, well said. I echo all of that. BubsNaturals.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE for 20% off. You know, you can go elsewhere, but you're not going to get as good of a deal as through us. So BubsNaturals.com, promo code BATTLELINE for 20% off. And in the process, you're helping the show. So if you like what we do, go out and support them. Hey, look at my name. I even even used my original. That is my original call sign. We'll talk about that again. That is my original (laughs) call sign given to me by this fucker when we were in Iraq. Oh, wow. All right, let's let's get into yeah, it yeah. then. So uh, you don't have any questions, right? I could just introduce you. You're good to go. No, we're good. All right. Well, so I could tell the audience I didn't even hit the record button right after we did those reads, but I could tell there's going to be a lot of like, not inside stuff yeah. that will we'll give you the, the backstory and all of it. But there's definitely a lot of history between. And his head still looks like so. a penis. It still looks like a penis, <laughs> penis. Which is a nice yeah. transition it, for it, men's. It's better, it's, it's better than the vagina. Oh, <laughs> man. Here we go. Good thing we're good. That's why we we're not in the faith based category, even though we do get faithful around here. Uh, we, I know. <laughs> you're listening to like Joel Osteen and then this. I don't know. Hey, guys. Hey, you, but, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You're not, I'm already. In. No, I was just going to say, just to give some backstory on who Rob is. So, Rob Jabber, former military contractor from Blackwater and. If you picked up this book, The Patriot's Creed, his story is highlighted in there. His story is featured in in this book. And if you haven't picked up the book by now, you really should, whether it's through Audible, yeah. uh, battlelinepodcast.com slash Audible, or just pick it up in stores. It's a great book. 
And yeah, the book really details Rob's story of being heavily wounded in 2009 during a double suicide car bomb attack. And really the interesting thing about Rob's background is other guys that we've had on the show, like uh, John, John St. Uh, Nick, St. Nick, yeah, uh, St. Nick, whatever you want to call John. Yeah. John Castle that we had on the show is that Rob did not have former military experience. Rob was just a guy who was able to speak the language being from Michigan and your Muslim background and decided, hey, I don't want to be behind a desk anymore. I want to be on the ground working with guys like Chris. So yeah, with that, it's it's an honor to have you on, and I'm interested to learn the whole backstory. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, you don't. Don't, like, don't patronize him, dude. Don't I don't even. I, you don't appreciate you. shit. That's the. <laughs> I I was like, what is it? Yeah, I remember me and me and was it Dave? The third Dave, uh, third bat Dave, crazy the guy Gucci. He looked great, Guccier than me. Uh, Dave, uh, uh, it, if if you remember, anyway, Dave and and then uh, Boone, when he came through that first class at Blackwater, we're like, who's this fucking lumpy bastard with us? What is who? The, why the fuck is he here? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know, I felt like I was not didn't even belong. You know, I'm I'm a let's see, police officer reserve. You know, coming in here with all these guys, yeah, kind of intimidated here with all the former military guys. You know. It's like, what? Do I belong here? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know, yeah, actually, and, and you know. that's you know, Rob. And I know we'll get into it. You and I, we'll, we'll talk some, getting some other stories. But um, I, I think people were interested in, honestly, brother, and and you be as candid as you want. Obviously, you can see that we are very candid here. So, but I, I want people to know because I know the story. But you come in here just you're before you even got to that point before your family and cause your work ethic is tremendous. I've never seen anybody work so hard in my life. He is tremendous. And we'll get into more of that when he used to go on runs with me in 120 degree heat in Iraq. And I thought he was going to fight pass out and he kept, anyway, kept up with me and Lucas. Um, but if you can get into like just coming over, you know, coming from, from, uh, from Lebanon and, and, um, and just talking about just, and, you know, just get through your work ethic and then, I, you know, why you joined Blackwater after, you know, what, what made you decide to do that? So be as quick or slow as you want to be. But, you know, I, I people need to hear yeah. that. And I because that's I have much respect for that. And I think they will, too. You know, uh, my my family uh, migrated to the U.S. back in 1983. That was right when the war was breaking out in Lebanon. Uh, yeah. And everything, all the schools were shutting down. You know, right. there's nothing. And, and the barracks, when the barracks, I was blessed. barracks bombed right around that time. But yep, yep, the Bay, Marine barracks. Uh, I think it was yeah, right right around that time. And then the Israeli yep. war started and all that. And so, you know, schools were shut down. It's either we stay in the country, we're not going to be educated. We're either going to be carrying a rifle or we're gone. So my dad didn't want, didn't want that. My, you know, both my parents didn't want that. My dad... I was blessed enough that my dad knew the U.S. ambassador to uh, Syria at the time. And so he was able to get us a permanent visas to the U.S. And he, my dad at that time, sent my mom, my brother, and my sister, all of us here, and he followed later. And we've been here. We moved. We got here. It was all my, my mom's side of the family live here in Ohio. So nobody from my dad's side. So we came and I, you know, I came to Toledo of all places. Um, you know, didn't know anything, went to school, uh, didn't even know the language. Uh, you know, I was like around, uh, fifth grade. 
Wow. So, uh, and had to learn the language. It was actually, you know, better for me to be away from where none of the Arabs are. So that way I don't have, you know, the broken English. Obviously, everybody says, hey, you don't have no broken English. Yeah. Well, you can't speak English for shit. It ain't broken. You just can't speak English like, at all. That's just, but that's, that's just your brain housing unit, dude. That had nothing to do with you with you being Lebanese. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and I was always brought up, you know, you just work hard at anything you do. You just do it at the best, work hard and don't stop. And that's, you know, I've seen my dad, how hard yeah. he worked for us, you know, and my brother and I started working when we were 13 to help the family out, you know, moving over here. My dad was pretty well off overseas, but when he sent us over here, he left a lot of his money in Lebanese liras. So when the war broke out, the lira at that time, you know, was pretty, it's just like it happened in Iraq. Yeah, it went to shit. Just he had went millions, to shit. Yep, he had millions and millions of dollars in liras, which meant a lot after the war when he goes back, that millions of dollars were maybe a hundred dollars. See, that's uh, not that amazing. So amazing. Got, just that, like the Iraqi dinars yeah. guys were buying like 10,000 Iraqi dinars for a dollar and it's still worth a, a yep. dollar. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Lebanese economy came back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's how it happened. So my brother and I kind of picked off the slack since we were 13. We just, yeah. you know, started going to school, working and helping out the family. And you, you played sports too in high school, didn't you? If I remember we talked about I did. I played football in high school. And a lot of times I had to skip practice because I had to go to work. Wow, man. I, yeah. You know, you know, so that, that impressed yeah, me. So it was pretty cool. That, that always impressed me. I'm going, cause I was, man, I don't know, 13 years old. I'd work in the summers, but shit, I didn't work during, during this, during school. No, we, you know, it, you know, it's a blessing. It made me the person I am. Um, I don't regret anything. You know, it just makes it shapes you for who so, you are. So, my question, I, I think I've asked you this at the dinner table before, but when we were joking, and we we're probably been, we probably had drank too much anyway, so I don't remember the answer. Too many sake. Yeah, too much, too, too many sake. <laughs> but um, I, I was, why didn't you join the military? I mean, you, 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 you were fit for it. I mean, obviously, you fit in, and we'll get into the the stuff as a contract where you and I work together, but um. What was the reason you you did? And if you just, I would like people to know because I, I was always interested in that. I'm like, man, he should have. Why didn't you? You know what? I've always I've always been into the military. Like growing up, I've always wanted to be a soldier. Uh, you know, and I've I've loved it, and I always wanted that kind of lifestyle. And it just I never really did it for a minute. I almost did out of high school because I did not yeah. go straight to college right after college. I ended up. Uh, Traveling with uh, the ice show, Disney on Ice. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Oh man, yeah, did yeah. you really? Yeah. Were you? What yeah, did you, what did you do? Skater? But, you know, my uncle at that time he used to be like uh, he the concession stands like yeah. Manager. yeah yeah yeah. So he managed that place. So anytime he was there, I traveled with him. All oh man, just doing. What? Give me a story. I mean, give us a story, man. I, I didn't know. I didn't even know that. And I've known Rob forever. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, I traveled for the whole year, like because I didn't, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to go to college, what I want to do, and I was too late to register. So I was like, okay, for six months, I went ahead, called him up, I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? Doing East Coast, West Coast? He goes, no, we're doing East Coast. I said, all right, I'm gonna come. So I went out. I mean, we visited, traveled all over the U.S. Cool. You spend, you know, a week in every city, basically, and that's basically it, it was it was it was a good experience. Made some money. 
And then I decided, all right, you know what? It was either join the military, or go do college. But then I was like, okay, if I join the military, do I want to be enlisted? Yeah. No, I'd rather be going there as an officer. So let me get my degree and then think sure. about doing that. And by that time, it just, uh, I started, got into the corporate world, yeah. you know, doing work and just went from there and never had your dad kind of push you that way your mom and since they saw the war saw the war and you know how awful it was they knew that they but they never say we don't want you go military let's let's go and what my mom will be always be the one that hey she's always afraid but they always the only thing my parents always said is do whatever you want uh except the only thing we ask is you is to finish your education no i don't you're get your degree and that's it. It's, it sounds like my parents. <laughs> my mom is always like, you know, she wanted to go to college. And then I feel like her advice to me has always been, <laughs> she's like, just don't get anyone yeah. pregnant. <laughs> that's, 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 my mom has said it many times to me in my life. Listen, uh, I, I've had uh, I've had those talks too. Like, <laughs> and I've had those scares too. No, it, it, that, it, it, what college has done, you, you got done with college and then you, you started working. And I know you did job, but – what was, what was your push to finally? And again, I know, but I want you to tell everybody out there to right. to become to well, become a contractor. Man, I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna go to Iraq and become a con, and especially being you know being Muslim and saying what you know mindset. Well, you know, the funny part is, I when I graduated college, I went into the banking yeah, industry. Yeah. I started doing as a management trainee back then for you know, Standard Federal Bank and then, you know, stayed in the banking industry for a while. And then I started doing, you know, bond training for Comerica Bank at that time. And uh, and I had a lot of time on my hands, so I decided to put myself through the police academy. And uh, I did that, started doing the sheriff reserve, and uh, I enjoyed it more. Sure. Than being behind. The so wait, you, you were becoming a bank manager, and you had extra time to go to the police academy. Okay, I just I just want to yeah. put it in perspective for all the all the twenty somethings out there when they say they're, they're too much, they're 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 working too hard. Well, when, when there's a will, there's a way. But, yeah. When there's yeah. a will, there's a way. You know, keep yourself busy, occupied. Yeah. Um. So I did that, and then when I was doing the banking at the same time, there was uh access, which is uh, it's a little like community center here that helps out the local Arab community. And we had, at that time, it was uh, just when the Iraq war started off and we had a company and I was on the small business committee board Mm -hmm. and we had uh, some, uh, I said, worldwide language resources come to us, ask us to help them get translators to go overseas. I was like, all right. So, you know, we started helping him out. And I thought about it. It's like, you know what? Let me see about going doing that. I fucking, it's like, it's a six months contract. Go do that. Fuck. So I just jumped on it, called my uncle at that time. He's like, hey, you want to go overseas? You know, he's like, uh, yeah. I said, this is the deal. You're only making like, I think, 70 grand at that time. They were paying. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, fuck it. Let's go. We'll try it out. It was kind of first time being away from your family, friends, and everything like that, being in a whole totally different country. You know, did that. Didn't like being an interpreter. Fuck no. I hated it. (laughs) 
And being there, but it was good opportunity because I met a lot of the BW guys over yeah, there yeah. on the brand details and stuff like that and started talking. And they're like, why aren't you working with us? So, and that's how I got into BW. And then uh, Justin back then, yeah. you know, called me up. He's like, hey, get you into this class. Send me over all your information. And I ended up. And, and for those wondering, I just want to make sure for the audience, you're, when you say BW, we're talking Blackwater. Blackwater. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I ended up breaking my contract with uh, what? the language uh, company. Yeah. Was it where you. Yeah. Come back early. Yeah. To come back early and to make uh, DSS one, the class one. Yeah. And that's how I set it up. Yeah. That's. They're like, oh, you at least at least have law enforcement experience. We could get you in that way. And your language will help out even more. And that's the way I got in. Well, and it because back we, we didn't have any really interpreters per se, per se at, at that time. I mean, honestly, I and and I wasn't going in as an interpreter. It's like I, they always asked me to be an interpreter. It's like I cannot stand being an interpreter. I'll use my language to help out my team, but I will not be labeled. Well, as why did Why didn't you like the interpreter stuff when you were doing it? I, I never really asked you that. You know, it just it's just not me. For me, you know, I like. Being involved, like when I was doing the interpreter gig, is they weren't allowing me to carry a weapon. They weren't doing. It's like fuck that shit. I ain't relying on nobody else's uh, to cover well, my and, ass. You know, I I, can, I understand that if you're with the U.S. troops and you're not an American citizen, and like we're picking you up from the street, because that I I agreed with some of that where we had because we had interpreters from Egypt, we had interpreters that from Iraq there yeah. and. And it was, I don't know if I want to give you a gun yet because I don't know what side you're on because you didn't. But I, you, you're I an American agree. citizen, brother. I, that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and that's what I thought. And you know what? And when I was attached, I was actually attached to the human teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we were running sources. Yeah, you got to have a gun. <laughs> you know, we were running sources like crazy and we were looking at that time for Saddam, you know. And we called them the shoe beacon. Yeah, it's just that's <laughs> you know that's funny. And guys, for anybody, the human human teams are the ones that are going like searching house to house. They're contractors. They're but they're a lot of them are former SFODD Delta guys, former special operations guys, yep. and and even the old school jawbreaker CIA guys. Not the not the new ones you got now at the agency, but the old jawbreaker people that that <laughs> could you know that could rattle your teeth if the if they wanted to. And, and, um, yeah, that was some heavy shit and you weren't carrying, which is, yeah, that, that, that's no bueno, man. I wasn't carrying, you know, and I was like, fuck that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I did get, you know, one of the guys, uh, the first guy that I worked with, he was just a plain out asshole, you know, (laughs) you know, second guy I worked with is actually pretty lenient. He's like, here, bro, here's a pistol, carry that. You know, if we went and did raids. He actually gave me a fucking long gun. It's like, fuck. yeah, yeah. Well, so well, then you came in to BW, and I, I, yeah, I mean, I honestly, you, you were Rob, and for what I remember with Rob, and I'm gonna tell his story, but he was always he would he wouldn't say anything. He was very back in the shadows and trying to feel out the situation before he would say anything. And I think that was smart because you know you come in to a bunch of SEALs and SF, you know, OGA guys and, and, and ODA guys and fucking Rangers and, and Marsoc guys. And you start running your suck. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked very well. So I thought it was like, I, I just remember watching and looking like, who is that? Why is he always eyeballing everybody? Who is that motherfucker over there? He's just standing there. 
but it was smart. Uh, you're you're trying to figure out. Well, you're trying to figure out how how stupid we were for the most part for that. You know, and then well, you're, you're learning. You were learning. One. Yeah, basically, I did listen. I know everybody had more military experience than I did. I'm coming in as the oddball. I'd rather sit there. I'd oddball. I was. I'm the only Arab there. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's best for me to sit back and watch everybody how they do certain things. They might do them differently, and then I'll ask questions. You I did. Do. You, you, you know what I mean. You weren't arrogant, and you were just—you'd always ask, "What do we need to do?" What, and that was one thing. That's a trait that a lot of us should have: is that if you don't know, admit you don't know, and then just go ask. Well, how do I do this? And I, I never found any offense. I, if you ever asked me, yeah, this is how we do it. We may give you a little shit for just because that's what yeah, we do. Right. But, but dude, it's like—and that was the thing with I would always say, "Well, fuck, at least he's asking." Well, he didn't have any experience. Well, so what? At least he's fucking asking what we're doing, having some respect to what we're going, what's going on here, and learning. That's more that can be said for for you guys over there that think you know everything. I mean, we, listen, there, there's a plenty of guys that were part of the military that came in in that class, and we had some turds. Oh, and we, remember we had we had fights. I remember and I remember watching. I sat. Uh, yep. I would sit on a set of bleachers to wait to do the operation or whatever the test we're going to do, and you would see instructors and students fighting with each other, and I'm like, shit. And I just I actually think I wrote about it in the Ranger way. I remember going. Man, how awesome is this? I'm getting paid, what was it, 300 bucks a day to watch guys fight in the sun here. It's beautiful in North Carolina. It's springtime, and I get to shoot guns, and I'm getting paid money. This is this is awesome. But that's I remember watching an ODA guy and one of the instructors who was a white soft, a SEAL team guy, SEAL team three or five, yeah. and they were fighting about how to do PSD operations, which nobody <laughs> knew how to do anyway. Nobody knew <laughs> like, at that point. They were still trying to teach it because they're bringing it over from state. Well, and that's what I, how state wanted it. That was I get your experience on that. My experience was like, holy shit, these guys are te- – that's what I felt. I was like, these guys are teaching us shit that they don't even know how to do. We're, we're dead. We're going over. We're all going to fucking die when we go over there. But it was still fun. Yeah. What was your experience when you watched that and, and saw that happen? That what went through your head? Where did you get that feeling of? Yeah, I'm thinking it's like, uh, you know, to me, I'm thinking to myself is like, what the fuck are they arguing about? <laughs> Who's right? Don't they? Don't they have a standard that? Hey, obviously, that you have to follow a standard. So, but that's you know, one learned it in one in one way, another person learned it in one way. What? All right, so who are we gonna? Follow? Well, that was the thing is we'd have instructors teaching us different stuff. One instructor would teach you one way. That was that was a big thing too. That one instructor would teach it one way, another one would teach yeah. it another. Like, well, what way do you want us to do it? Which would cause most of the fights. That's what would cause. And now, I'm not talking just arguments. I'm talking in the faces, students with instructors in the face. And but it, 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 too, too many headstrong guys that they both wanted to be right and nobody wanted to back and them. nobody, but nobody could be right. Cause there was no standard. So it was just, it was just, it was almost comical, but it was, it was fun, man. It was like, it was, fun. It, it, was. It, was it was some good time. Good experiences. Hey, hey Rob, I'm, I'm wondering, did you feel, you know, prepared to be carrying a gun overseas in combat when, you know, you're you're next to guys like Chris who have been shot at, who have had to shoot at terrorists. I mean, what's it like going over there without that experience next to guys who have done it for years, in some cases, well, decades? You're really never going to know, you know, how it's so anybody would react. You know, I mean, until, until it hits the fan. Yeah. You're, e- you're either going to crumble or you're going to shine. One of the two. 
There is no way. And and so you really don't know. You could uh, you could always say, hey, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But until shit hits the fan, you really know if you're ready or not. You know, so it's uh, you know, you always have doubt. You always have that little fear in the back of you, but you want to don't concentrate on it. So you kind of want to forget about it. You know, I've had some doubts and stuff like that. And I still remember the very first mission we went out on, Yeah, you know, uh, and it's just like, okay, you're kind of like amped up, but then it kind of is like, okay, are we going to fucking make this back? It was like the wild, wild west back then. Um, I agree. You know, but to be honest with you, uh, doing when I was doing the interpreting with the other company, I ran out on my own in an unarmored SUV running buyout. Well, that, that was like buyout. That was before we really knew, before people really knew how bad it was. They were ignorance was truly yeah. bliss at that time. And it really was. Yep. People didn't know because Helveston hadn't got, hadn't got attacked yet. The Fallujah element. Yep. There was, and, and Rob, and, and I know you were there at that time. BW had a, had a smaller contract, the SS contract where guys got hit on buyout and died even before Helveston. People don't know about that story. That was um, Slavko. And, and some of it, no, not Slavko. It was a bunch of um, Polish, Polish Grom guys. And then a couple, a uh, couple Americans that were hit on buy up. So yeah. But when you were doing that though, did you realize how da- you, because we, you didn't know how dangerous it, it was. It was just like, Oh, we, we overtook this country. America says we're good. We got everything under control. Let's just jump in a Hyundai and we'll shoot down buy up. And, you know, and, and the funny part is back then when we first got there, it was just like your threat was started off as small arms fire only. You know, you only got small arms fire. It's like, okay, you're going to go 100 miles an hour. You want to, you better be a good damn fucking shot with that AK <laughs> to actually hit it. So, and then after that, it progressed. Then it started becoming RPGs. You know what I mean? And then after RPGs, it was uh, EFB, you know, the IEDs. You know, IEDs. You know, IEDs went into EFBs. You know, it's just like it's, it's like a cat mouse game the whole time. And, and uh, but what's what's your response? But what, that's basically. Go ahead. I'm sorry, but go ahead. Good. Go ahead. No, I'm saying you know to go back to your question. I mean, it's like I wasn't at the level of the guys when I first went down there, but I was comfortable enough to stand next to them because I felt like I could back them up no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I, I no, and we agree. And and did you had, you know, that was one thing when when you pass because even though there was a lot of fights there, you did have to pass the standard, the firing shooting standards or shooting standards. You can't fudge those. Yeah, yeah. And granted, they were State Department shooting standards, which in my opinion aren't that hard um, in comparison to other shooting standards. But he still had to pass all those shooting standards. So in my eyes, when he was over, well, I was like, well, he, he knows how to handle a gun. He knows how to shoot. He passed the shooting. I mean, you can't be a dirtbag and pass them, but, you know, you don't have to be a freaking ranger or seal to pass those shooting standards either. But in my eyes, it's like, well, there were guys that didn't pass those shooting standards, and he did. He's still here. All right, well, let's give him a shot. And my opinion with you, Rob, is also, you know, even though you hated it, to me it was like I wanted him on my team because even though he may not be an interpreter – if some interpreter local is telling me bullshit, he's going to be right there listening to it. And that's what I'd always do. I'd somebody in, in Iraqi would be giving me information. I'd look at Rob and go, is he telling me the truth, dude? Cause the dude didn't know that Rob spoke. Yeah. Well, spoke. Yeah. A lot of times I, that's, I, I told everybody like all the Iraqis would look at me. He's like, this guy looks like a rap. They'll start talking to me in Arabic. He's like, 
I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> you know, I, I always said, hey, uh, you know, I'm Spanish. Um, you know, I'm Italian. I, you know, I always threw out a different one. I don't understand what you're saying. You know, because I didn't want anybody knowing that I understood the lingo. Because one, it, it comes, it's more beneficial for us, for me to listen in on the outside yeah. than to actually for them to know I understand what they're saying. And, and you know, and so, even with having an actual linguist or interpreter with you, sometimes the translation is not correct, whether that's on purpose or not. So still, I could always look at Rob and be like, all right, is he telling me the same shit or is that's what he's really saying? Or I'm like, no, he's fucking lying to you. All right, motherfucker, let's try again. Is there is there any scenario where, where like Rob saved the lives of, of you guys through that? You, you know, like? I, I think it was more because the attack didn't happen or I was able to say, bullshit, tell me the real stuff again. What's going on? Like, where's the gate? Where's what gate should we go out of? I, I remember where we we're when we we're on the the, the uh, detail with the ambassador, you know, uh, honestly, I think the, the, the one time where we did get hit. Um, it was when those little girls died. It was the last word. And I wrote about it in the Patriots Creed. I did. Um, it was the gate. That's what was the gate. It was like, dude, I was asking Joe and, and you like, where, where are we supposed to be going? Which gate do we need to go out of? And I don't know if you were listening to people talk or what you're doing, but I remember you advised let's cause we we're going to go out the opposite gate that where the bomb went off. Yeah. And he's like, they did. Now we need to go out the front gate. I'm like, well, we're going out this, we're coming in the way we left. I don't know if that's good, especially because it was a, it was a pretty tense mission because the, uh, the Imam or whoever it was, Delta had wrapped up the wrong guy. So we went there to apologize was, to the, I think that was Hakeem. That was Hakeem. So they're already pissed. Everybody knows we're coming in. We're coming in huge because we're taking the Charge AD affairs, the deputy ambassador who was the acting ambassador at the time because Negroponte was out of the country. And it, it was, it was, it was all day. Just things seemed surreal. You and Rob, you, you and Joe staring down Mercedes that are shooting down the roads, trying to run up to our gate. And I still was like, are you sure, dude? I don't know if I feel comfortable going out the same gate, especially with these Mercedes. And I don't know if you heard something or, or what, but it was Rob's advice to go out the way we came, which caused us to not get blown. I mean, people still died that day. Girl still died. Uh, uh, Army Humvee was still injured just because it was unlucky because it was just wrong place, wrong time. But, you know, we would have we had light armor vehicles. We would have got destroyed. And I don't know. You tell me. I never really asked him. But um, was there anything you heard that day? Yeah, You know what? I, I, not, I can't recall, to be honest with you. I can't really honestly tell you if it's for sure it's something I heard. It's been a while. Yeah, it, man, that was two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think I had heard anything. I just I had a hunch, a feeling is like, okay, they expect us to go out to the other the gate. You know what I mean? So and I just didn't trust some of his. Security yeah, I, think I remember you would always walk around security, just go like I don't trust these guys. It's like I, I don't, I didn't trust any of the security people. It's just like you know they expect us to go out the back day because. You know, they always know we go out the back the gate. It's like let's just go out the front. You know, and I, even though they're not expecting and, and you know, I'm being racist to you here though, but I just say that was his Muslim radar. I, man. I seriously I'm kidding. It's like, dude, I'm not but that's what happened. It could have been the turban on my head, man. <laughs> I don't know. I just it it was always something where where Rob it's just like he had that sixth sense, man. And and, and it was I don't know if it was a cultural thing or just 
Maybe it's just him, his intuition. And, I, you know, and for all you guys, Rob and I fucking joke all the time. So eat shit if that pisses you off. He's my boy. Uh, but, but, um, but uh, it was, it was, it was amazing. And honestly, if he wouldn't have said that, because the mission was to go out a different way where the bomb was, where the Mercedes, one of, it was a black car that was a VBID. And um, now nah, we would have got fucking mashed. And, and um, yeah. luckily for us, we went the right way. Uh, and, but unlucky for the little girls that were playing across the road, they got shredded. They, and it, it was really bad because it was a day that it felt normal to me, at least like as a normal day, like you're watching kids outside play. Because kids outside in Iraq yeah. played. And it just turned into like, fuck. God dang this place. <laughs> you know? It's like son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I know we're getting into this. I left it, and we'll talk. I wanted to talk about this because it was funny. Yeah. Rob and I, um, we had an incident when I left DSS and Rob and I are still very good friends. We had, we, he was working in the talk. He was awesome guy in the talk and the, just coordinating movements and shit. But I was a de- detail leader for the ambassador and um, I had taken a shit and I left my pistol. I take my pistol off my, and I left it in the bathroom, the ambassador's bathroom. Uh, and, you know, tell the story. Dude. Tell the story. I don't have any problem telling the story. I fucked up, failed miserably. But tell the story because I remember I went to Rob and what did I look like when I was like, holy shit, I lost my pistol in the ambassador's like, bathroom. He's <laughs> like, dude, I can't believe it. I just fucking lost my pistol. I was like, what? <laughs> How the fuck you do that? <laughs> Because I left in the bathroom, I was taking a shit. Left. It's like, are you sure you were only taking a shit? <laughs> I was like, dude, this isn't. I know when you it's said like, that, like, my this isn't funny, man. It's gone. I don't know where it's at. The ambassador. It's. I, know, I was like, oh my god, the ambassador. Somebody's going to shoot the ambassador. And, and I'm in charge yeah, of his detail. He's my guy. I'm in head of the ambassador detail. So um, but um, yeah, I'm the, running. The funny part is, anything that happens it comes through the talk. So if anybody found anything, it has to bring it over to the talk. I was just like, uh, and it was like, nobody brought anything over yet or nobody called in anything or found anything. So it was just like, what the fuck do we do now? And then of course we find out later on what, uh, Marine had that pistol trying to make its way back to the state. Uh, A Marine security guard had, you know, that was his beat. He'd walk by, he found it. And instead of turning it in, he put it in his bag and tried to smuggle it back in the U S but that being said, I was, and, and I, you know, I'm prompt. It was actually a massive, it was, it was, bad. It was a massive, it was pissed. Uh, and it was a massive failure because I got fired from my job. I actually got cut from DSS, which is like, holy shit, what's going to happen now? But after that, it's kind of was, I was one of those guys, fuck up, move up sort of things. It really, you know, I hear that term, but uh, because of Robin, you know, him, he, he did eventually find it. That's who found the gun with the Marine. Cause he was checking everybody. But, uh, after that, I was uh, I did some private stuff, and then an OGA guy stayed, came calling and said, "Hey, do you want to come be GRS for more money?" And I was like, "Well, I guess that was a blessing that happened." But I, I don't know. I just I remember it because I remember talking to Rob about it, and I remember we talked yeah. about it last night a little bit before we came on. It's like, yeah, you were more hard on yourself than anybody. <clears throat> else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It was it was uh, kind of funny. It's good to laugh about <laughs> it's now. Kind of funny. <laughs> um. Hey, buddy, you know, and um, you stayed when I left, you stayed and you stayed doing State Department stuff, which it came to. What did you see on the progression when it went from DS to DS high threat to whips one to whips two to WPPS 55 to uh, I mean, what yeah. was your what was your the quality? 
the quality of people is going down. Well, the standards change, right? It the was, hiring standards. Yeah, the stand, there was no more standards at all whatsoever. It was basically coming into a point that anybody that carries a weapon, like before class one, you actually had to pass the course. And I, there were there- it, the training you had to pass. There was no oh, you get through the training. No, you actually had to pass the training or else you got cut. Plain on simple, you got voted at the end of each night if everybody met the standard. And you had and to have three years or four years of special ops, which again made made it harder on you because we're like, what the fuck is this dude doing here? You don't got the experience. Yeah, because everybody was it was a minimum, you know, three, four years of special operation, uh, you know, Green Beret, whatever it is, but it was all special forces guys or 18 deltas. And here I am. Just a regular old schmo that just has the language in his pocket could semi shoot, but (laughs) you know, and I'm hanging out with these guys. It's like, how the fuck did I make it through these guys? Um, You know, but obviously the language helped out a lot and just ran with it from there. But as time when I stayed in I, you know, in Baghdad, the quality just kept going down and down and down it just like it was not fun like it used to be and then everything was starting to become your uh our uh, rules of engagement started getting tighter and tighter and tighter pretty much you cannot engage a vehicle until you after you get blown up <laughs> basically that's how you know how it was it's just like before when we first got there it's just like you know we gave you a shout we gave you an arm and you didn't listen you were getting sprayed. I do. We were going to do whatever it is to stop that vehicle. At that, you know, after you left, it was just starting to get harder and harder to get people to actually follow your directions and your rules of engagement. If you were fired your weapon, you would have to sit there and go answer why you fired everything and go to like almost like an investigation, like an inquisition, because you fired the weapon. It was it was starting to get not fun at all. So, well, and that's, that's, you know, that's unsafe. I, I don't people realize how, how unsafe it was. We, we, we play it down a lot, but every day something could happen. A grenade rolled under your car, a rolled under your, under your sub as you're driving down the road, IEDs everywhere. EFPs, when he said EFPs, that's an electric, uh, that's a, uh, that's the uh, electric, what's it? Electrical force projectile or explosively yep. force projectile. It's a platter charge. Yeah. They put a piece of copper over the, the bomb, so when it blows up, it turns into molten lava, and it can go through armor, and that thing could defeat anything, and and that was prevalent there. So, and you couldn't let a car get ten meters to you if you, by that time it's too fucking late. So, um, yeah, it, it, it made it. I mean, even and you can't. You want to give yourself and your team a chance as further as possible, and the hundred meter signs were people were starting to get more gutsy and gutsy, getting closer. You don't know who's a friend and who's a threat anymore. And, and it's just, it wasn't, it wasn't as, you know, as safe for the guys. And that's when I actually just I decided to just stay on the APD. The ambassador, that's the ambassador's but, protection detail. And th- that coupled with less skilled operators or less skilled people doesn't sit well. Rules of engagement, more stringent. You have people with less skills. And a guy, there's great guys over there. I'm not knocking them. They, they did a good job. They still never lost anybody when they were over there. But it creates a, a, the perfect storm of a bad shoot. 
because now you're getting guys pissed off. The rules are there. Fuck these rules. I'm more pissed off. Now I'm worried more than anything because I'm worried I'm going to die. So I'm not looking for the indicators I should be looking for. And you had, it was just a perfect storm of having bad shoots. And that's where more rules sometimes doesn't help. Well, more rules. I don't know what Ian, maybe you have a different opinion of it, Rob. I just think more rules don't always help because it doesn't let you free think. And it inhibits an operator from using their head and actually doing their job of which is looking for indicators, looking for those patterns, looking for those hunches that you had. It it, it limits them. And then you're just one pissed off dude out there that wants to shoot just because I'm so pissed off and you're looking for that opportunity to. So I, that's, that's what I saw. And honestly, I think God was looking out for me by me leaving that that restroom by saying, Hey, you need to get the fuck out of here and go do something else. You idiot. But we're going to, we're going to make you look like a dipshit before you do that. So. Um, you know, the big man does look out for all of us, don't he? He does. Because I, I, sometimes I feel that's the only reason I'm still here. He's just like, remember I told you I was applying for all the agents. Oh, that, and that's, once you get into that, and honestly, that's a good segue in because, dude, you were blown up by the biggest bomb, biggest car bomb ever to hit, still to this day, is the biggest car bomb ever to hit Baghdad. So, um, but... Yeah, I wanted to get into that because that's for those of you who haven't read the Patriots Creed, which all of you should once again. Yeah, that's the big story in there. And and you um, and I'd like to get into this, too. You kind of on the fence of and we hear this all the time from Glenn Doherty, who passed away. The, the idea of like, this is the last one. Yeah. This is my yeah, last yeah. deployment. And then that yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we were de- it's funny because uh, I had just had my, uh, you know, I had just gotten uh, married in 2008. 2009, July 14th, my son was born. And, you know, in the meantime, I was, you know, already been doing contracting for a while. And I was, you know, contracting is an opportunity, not not a career. So, you know, that's the way I looked at it. And to me, I was applying for all the agencies already. And I was going through a lot of the testing processes uh, while I was being deployed, I would fly back and do my phase one, my phase two. And, you was know, this for the for the, the FBI or CIA or NSA to be? For the bureau, yeah. Okay. There is a bureau. There is a Secret Service. Uh, uh, we had the Air Marshals, you know, ATFs, you know. So I was applying for everything, and that was my ticket for me. As once my son was born. I'll come back home and actually just have a job back, stay home and stay home, you know, and you can't go wrong with one of the agencies anyway. So that was my fallback plan. And I've been applying the whole time and I was just waiting. I had already passed everything. I was just waiting on offer letters. And when my son was born, I had promised his mom. I said, listen, I'll only be gone up to my son being one year old. After that, whether I get an offer letter or not, I said, that's it. I'll call it quits. I'll come back. I'll do something. And that was the original deal. So not, so he was born in July. I told her not this December. I said, after this contract is over, that's it. Like by September of the following year, I'll be done. And uh, I stayed home. I made it home July 15th. I missed his birth by a day. I made it home. I stayed home July, August, a little bit of September, and I went back, boots on the ground, 
towards the end of September. And I was only on the ground for about three weeks when my accident uh, happened. It was October 25th, 2009. So I had just been back on the ground for about a what, month, yeah. maybe. And, uh, and that's when the accident happened. And it's funny because, uh, you know, when you see, I'll go back uh, and, you know, talk. I don't know if you guys want me to talk about the accident oh, at all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no, get get it. It. Whatever you're yeah, comfortable yeah. with, the people would love yeah. to hear it. No, you know how you watch movies when, you know, something traumatic happens, it goes in slow motion. Your brain, I can actually attest to this does slow everything down you, to slow yeah, you wrote about i mean in our book did you wrote about that it was really and i yeah. i completely agree just this the shock way no i yeah to me the shock you know way. you would think like i've never believed it you know you watch movies like oh that's fucking bullshit but knowing living through it and actually seeing it it was just like it's actually true you can't believe how your brain slows shit down so when the uh, car bomb happened to be, we were at, uh, forget the damn. It was uh, right outside. Ministry. Yeah, it was right outside Big Assassin's Gate. It was Gate. right outside Checkpoint yeah. 2. Yeah, between Little Assassins and, and Big Assassin's Gate right there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, between Bridge 1 and 2. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so there was, a, there was a broke down vehicle, acted like a broke down vehicle right in front of the gate. Hood up, you know. Mm-hmm. Guys sitting right there, and the guys picked it up from across the street. And you know, it's funny. Val and I, you know, we're standing right there, uh, right at the front entrance. We just had, you know, posted everybody. We did our sweep. We did all our meets, and we called in. You know, venues green. Now you were the advanced team, right? And, you were on the advanced team at that time. Yeah, we're the advanced team. Yep. We called in venue green. And it's funny, Val and I were just shooting the shit. It's like, man, I'm I'm just getting tired. I'm about ready to just call it quits. I said, after this contract done, and, and Val was saying the same thing. And then we realized, you know, we're looking around. It's like, don't they have more security than normal today? And like, yeah, you know, they actually do. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. They're like, well, you know, I don't know. So maybe they're training up a whole bunch of people, you know, and. Um, that's when I was actually looking out at the gate and Val was actually looking in at me with his back to the gate. And that's when the boom went off. And it's funny, how, you know, like I said, the brain slows down. Is first thing I seen is uh, the fire go, you know, over the gate. You could see the, the explosion over the gate. And then all of a sudden the shockwave started coming towards me and Val. And then you see the shockwave go under the gate. Over the gate, the gate all of a sudden disappears. The big 18-foot T-walls started disintegrating to rubble. And then it all started coming towards us. And the first thing I think, I just say, oh, shit. And I started turning. And that's when everything hit full blast. Next thing I know, I was talking to myself in my head. You know, I was like, okay, what's going on? Are you dead? I was like, I don't know. I've never died before, so I don't know about that. You know, you're fucking talking to yourself because you can't hear nothing. Yeah. You don't, you know. And it's just like, I said, if you're dead, would you be talking to yourself like this? It's like, you just don't know. It's yeah. fucking funny. And, and in your case, you couldn't see anything yeah. either. Right? I couldn't see and I couldn't hear anything. So I don't know 
you know, if I was still unconscious or anything. And then the first thing, you know, and then a few, I don't know how long had passed. And then I started getting my hearing back. I could hear people screaming, yelling, and uh, everything around me, like you just like a whole bunch of commotion. And I try to open up my eyes, couldn't. Yeah. You know, I touch my face, it's all slimy, you know. And the first thing I think about is my son. It's like, Adam, you got to get up. You got to get up. You got to go see Adam. Get your ass up. And so I, that's how I made it back up to my feet, you know. It's amazing, man. Then, it's amazing. You're, you're the, just the stones from those walls. I mean, those things aren't small walls that you just weren't shredded and every bone broken. I mean, that's to me, that's a fucking miracle. Dude, Unbelievable. I, I tell you, I tell you what. When when I got up, Docs said, "Reason I'm still alive is I have that big old gash up on the head, <laughs> that big U shape." He goes, "You know, all that stone, rubble, mud, everything." got compacted in there and actually stopped the bleeding. That's or else I would have That's why down. I call him penis head. There you go, right there. That's yeah. Penis head. <laughs> I, I certainly no, keep going, right? Because this is I mean it, it's a uh, people no, no, no but that, to be honest to to be honest with you and he's like you're blessed that that all that stuff got compacted in there because to stop the bleeding or else you would have been dead. So when you Blaine on when you got up, I know tell you you started to see Val what, what was going on with that? Uh, I mean, no, you started to hear Val. Up, hear Val. Yep. No, I started hearing screaming yep. and people around okay. me. And the funny part is, is I, I was like, I stood up. I was like down on my knees, hanging through a window or wall, whatever it was. You know, I made it up to my, my feet. And I was like, okay, if I turn to the left and walk straight, thinking I'm still in the same spot where I was blown out. Maybe I can make myself way back up. So I, I make my way up. I turn left. I try to walk straight, and there's a wall wow. there. There's absolutely nothing. So I was like, I started feeling, I can't see anything. So I started feeling everything around me. And then to my left seemed clear with with almost like a cable hanging out or something. So I turn to the left, and it feels like I'm standing up on a, on a hill or something. I, you know, I don't know what it is. And then I started calling out for Val. I call out for Val, Val, and can't hear him, nothing. And then uh, I totally forgot about my radio. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. all of a sudden I hear the car, the guys from the car calling out the radio. It's like, oh, shit, my radio. So I go for my mic where I normally clip it. It's, it's yeah. not there. So, you know, I had to sit there and go to and uh, dangle the wire back and bring my mic back. And then I call out to the cars and say, hey, it's Rob. I'm somewhere inside. Don't know where I'm at. Can't find Val. And, you know, and let them know. And they're like, all right, hang tight. We'll, you know, the guys, the snipers are on making their way down or the guys that are standing up at the meeting room are making their way down from the third floor. So hang tight. So hang tight. And then I just stood there, and, and I could hear people walking and screaming around me. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, this is a perfect opportunity for somebody to come from behind me and take my weapon. Yeah. And she was, I was like, okay. Put my elbow on my pistol. I was like, all right, if anybody comes near me, I don't give a fuck. Obviously, I'll fucking just shoot. You know, mm-hmm. I'll pull it out and start shooting. And I can't see shit, but I'll shoot <laughs> something. 
Then I hear somebody from my left-hand side, kind of like a little bit further away, actually saying in Arabic, somebody help this guy, somebody helping this guy, and nobody comes. And he, God bless his soul, one day I will meet him. He comes up to me from my left side and tells me in Arabic, give me your hand. That's cool. And I give him my left hand, and he starts walking me down from wherever I'm at. As I'm walking down, he's like, as, as soon as I got close to him, I said to him, shukran in Arabic, thank you. He goes, what'd you say? And I told him, thank you, again in Arabic. He goes, come on, come on. As he's bringing me down, he tells me, hey, be careful, you're stepping on bodies. Like, dude, I can't see anything. So he gets me down to level ground. He goes, walk straight. When you start feeling water hit your feet, you're safe. So, all right. So I started uh, walking straight. All of a sudden, the water started getting deeper and deeper. And it's like, what the fuck am I, inside or outside? Why the fuck? Yeah. If I'm outside, why is there water? So I stood still right where I'm at. And then, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm inside or outside. Now, all of a sudden, I started hearing gunfire, gunshots going off. And there was a guy nearby screaming. And I, I kind of, like, grab him reach out to him and grab him and say, am I inside or outside? He goes, you're outside. And, you know, obviously I spoke to him in Arabic. And I call back to the cars, tell him, hey, I'm somewhere standing outside. Don't know where I'm at. I can hear gunfire, but I'm standing in water. They're like, yeah, we're route. You know, hang tight. We'll be there in a second. And then the next thing I, I remember is I hear Q's voice say, Rob, we got eyes on you, buddy. We got you. And then, uh, they came over and got me over across to the to the other side. And I was thinking, I remember Doc was uh, started wash my face, clean me up, you know, to see how bad it is. And I told Doc, is like, hey, Val's gone. He goes, no, Rob, Val's okay. I go, Doc, Val's gone. He goes, no, he's in the follow vehicle. He's good. So you sure? He goes, yeah. So, and I told Doc at that time, he's like, hey, Doc, I don't, how bad is it? He's like, I can't see anything, Rob, right now. I can't tell you. I said, listen, I don't give a shit what I look like. I don't care. As long as I have my vision where I can see my son grow up in front of me, that's all I care about. He's like, he goes, we'll do our best, Rob. You know that. And then I remember we were trying to get the medevac in, and the, the scene was just, yeah. they couldn't get the 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 medevacs to land there. So they actually had to get us to get me and Val over to the cross swords in order to get the medevacs to land. So in the roads, there was no way for us to come out. So they had to send out TST and the Mamba team to come on, grab us to take us over to the cross. To to push you, push through. Now I I remember Ben, Ben, that was, wasn't that triple can that wasn't even Blackwater's team. Was that triple canopy's team with the TSTs or was that Blackwater's team that came out there? Well, no, by that time, BW, the TC had had taken over the contract. Remember? Yeah. They were the conglomerate now. All right. And and you got over there. I remember. Yeah. That's to me. I I still, it was actually before that because when Blackwater lost contract, TC took over. I kind of stayed over with TC. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, just because I know. Sure. Then it started to become, yeah. You know how it was when we first got there. Anybody got hurt? The headshed will be the first people on the birds up to yeah. Balad yeah. to make sure they're all right. And up to this point, nobody from that headshed 
came up and checked it, it out. Was, well, it was it was a different you you it was a different animal and right then and there it's just like fuck that shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember I, that's one thing I do remember is that when people did get hurt, um the headshed guys were still most of them were still guys that were on the ground or as much as Al, I didn't like have Al on the ground for us, Marine Al. The fucker was a fuck. Yeah, the dude was a good leader, and he would be there for you if somebody got hurt. He was a former Marine. Uh, for, sorry, Marines. He was a Marine Sergeant Major. Still, as far as an operator goes, it had passed his time. But the dude was a was he was all about the about the dudes. Yeah, and and those guys had left. You know that something bigger is gone. I always say that it, it is that something bigger had continually left. Um, but now it's good because you had Q. You did had some solid guys there. You know, Q Val was pretty solid. Oh, I know. We did solid. And um, yeah, yeah. There, we, listen, the team we were on. You know, uh, we were there. All a lot of solid. Well, that was was that. You know, what I mean, that was Joe Spino was over there still, wasn't he? Joe was over on the Apples no, team. He, no, I was doing. I went. I did. I left the advanced team. I gotcha. left the uh, the ambassador went detail. To the advanced. Go over to IT. <clears throat> gotcha. Because when me and uh, and uh, Redhead uh, got into it. Got you. Uh, what's his name? Do you mean yeah. the DS? I got DS offer, the DS officer, the Department of State, Grape Ape? No, uh, Rob. Uh, Shit, I don't know. Uh, Who are you fighting with now? Yeah, hold on. No, fuck, I forgot his name. Is uh, it ain't important? The, the only redhead the, operator the, the, I know the, is uh, Rob. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Rob O'Neill, but I guarantee. <laughs> no, 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 I guarantee you. I guarantee if he was over there, there would have been a lot of fights over there. No, <laughs> he, they put him in charge of. They put him in charge of training. I, I, I can't uh, remember his was, fucking uh, name. I'm either. trying to remember his name. I know it's Rob. Uh, dude, you're not gonna remember. You know, you're I, getting older, I'll dude. I'll come to me later. Anyway, but you, you know, I, yeah, I am. Um. You got so I, I I got I got into it with him and they wanted to take so they wanted to take APD gold from me. They didn't want me to be the shift lead anymore wow. because they wanted me to be a interpreter. Uh, and, you, and I was it, refusing. And you were fight, you've been fighting that battle since we we got there, man. They're like no, oh, yeah. no, I'm not. No, I'm not. It's like just quit asking him. It's not going to fucking happen. Just quit asking. But when you you, you bro- know, and they were trying to force me, well, I was like, "Fuck it." What what was? And I'm jumping. Cause I do want people to know, cause I, I remember seeing the picture, you know, I saw, I saw you when you were just, I didn't see you, but I saw when you were hurt the pit and you were fucked up. I mean, really bad. I, you, I mean, you, you got a round fat face as it is. Just think of that thing like the fucking jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> it was, up, it was, it was like, you, but you know, <laughs> once you got back, what was, what was that like, you know, just recovering, man? Cause you couldn't see, you, know, you, you literally had shit all over your, you look like a jack-o'-lantern with gauze over your eyes is what you look like. You know, to be honest with you, it was when I got back, it was pretty tough because uh, getting used to being the breadwinner, um, going 100 miles an hour all the time, coming back home to sit between four walls, where my wife at the time had to go back to work, and I had to sit next to the baby, uh, which is my son, you know, and – I didn't mind that at all. She's like, you know, we'll, you know, we'll get somebody to sit with them. I don't want you to, you know, with my back problems and everything at that time. But it was pretty tough on me. Um, you know, it took two years of almost going between doctors, surgeries, uh, physical therapy, speech therapy, uh, almost everything. Two years exactly. I was going five days a week. 
from eight in the morning till about three o'clock. But you stuck with it. A lot of guys, that's awesome that you stuck with it, man. A lot of guys don't. I stuck with it, but after the second year, I was fed up. They would not, they hadn't released me. I just called it quits. Well, and that's, I'm done. Well, that's good. You were ready, man. That's and, fine. You know, that's perfect. That's what you got to do. And I, and I told the doc and, you know, I just, you know, they just don't want to release you. And I was just like, I'm done. I am fed up. Yeah. Granted, uh, there's no way for me. Doctor will not clear me to go back overseas. Sure. You know, I was like, fuck it. I'll find something to do here. And that's, I started the Blue Diamond. Dude, right now. Did, before, what is it? What, what are you doing right now, Rob? Oh, dude, he has. He, no, I own a. No, I, I, I'm telling his story here. I do. No, go ahead. He has the best limo <laughs> company in the country, dude. That's who I use when, whenever I travel. The best kept car service. It's by far. It. That's. I. Just, in fact, you're helping me out next week, man. I, I don't. I won't yeah. use anybody nice. else. He's awesome. Tremendous. But go ahead. You you tell them about it. <laughs> no, I'm glad. No, I own a, you know, a limousine and executive transportation service. Uh, you know, car service from the airport. We do, you know, party buses, limousines, shuttle buses, you know, big motor coaches. We have that all. So I started on that out of boredom with one vehicle. We're doing pretty good. We took a hit during COVID, but we'll make it. Like I said, you never stop. And Right now, this is what I'm still doing. You know, is it is it fulfilling for you? Because I think for a lot of guys, like they transition from going overseas, being shot at, having to shoot terrorists, you know, and to now having to live a regular civilian life. Do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel that itch to go over even though you can't? Uh, yeah, trust me, I will go over in a heartbeat. You know, and nobody would understand this. And Chris, you probably would. I wanted to go back, even if I just go back for one mission, but I wanted to walk out on my own two feet. You know, well, I did not want to leave the way I left. And even to this day, if I get a chance to go back over there, I'll go back there in, in a heartbeat. If it wasn't for my kids right now, I'll go back in a heartbeat. And you, you may have that opportunity because you are back at, back at it, uh, back at it again. And, and, uh, I mean, you're back. I mean, as far as healthy wise, you, you are, um, you can never run anyway. So that's not like it's a big change of pace that you, that, that, that's true. <laughs> but, but um, hey, mofo, you you got me to get running. <laughs> I, this guy, yeah, we used to. This motherfucker was my roommate, and I'd be like, "It's time to go run, dude." It was like 120, and, and I I'm very blessed as a run, and I could run. Me and Lucas, and this fucker would come out and run with us. I thought he was gonna die. I was like, "Dude, you're gonna we're we're killing I you." Like I said, you, "You don't have to do this run. You, don't go with us on this sprint. You stay here." No, I'm fucking going. All right, you kill yourself, you kill yourself, but I ain't picking your big ass up and taking the docks. You're you're gonna die right here. Lucas be like, "Yep, we ain't taking you anywhere, man. You're you're staying right here with your big ass." But that's where it was toughness. It was it was amazing. That's so when it happened, when I heard, it didn't surprise me that he walked out. It's like that motherfucker's tough, and there's no way he's gonna stay down. He almost literally died by heat exhaustion running. I mean, and, and me and Lucas didn't joke joke around. <laughs> we we could run. And he was the only they're, one they're out of out of all the tough sons of bitches out there that were all tough operators. He was the only one that would run with us out there in that fucking heat with body armor on sometimes too, just to just to because I mean I figured you know if we have to get an altercation I got to know how to run with his body armor on. Um, you know what? I, 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 there's part and I want to make sure that I was right. Um, and I do think it was a sign for you to do what you're doing now and to continue is. When you got back, didn't you get your letter from one of the agencies? I did. Offer of employment. I actually got multiple offer letters 
from the multiple agencies and I actually had to disclose uh, my injuries <laughs> and um, they pretty much resended those uh, letters and said, uh, you know what, when you get cleared, um, you could contact us back. We can't guarantee a position will be open, but obviously once you get cleared, you still also got to get cleared through our medical doc. You know, to me, that was just, but couldn't you still be a linguist? Couldn't you still be just a, I mean, I know it probably wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't satisfy you as much as, as, as being like an actual combat terp or being an on the ground interpreter, but even being a linguist, man, would you not want to do that where you're, you may have to sit in office, but is that something you wouldn't want to do? Nah. Uh, no, I'm good. Uh, I, I, it's not me. No, and I figure I, I would assume so because I, I just want to know, and I do want to listen. I, I, I'd rather be on the, I'd rather be on the ground, boots on the ground, being one of the guys than the fucking. Yeah, you could, up. you could tell that's that's what inspires you, and that's what made you leave like what looks like a promising career to go do that. So, I mean, this has been an incredibly inspiring story. If, if I could end at least my my question with something. Uh, less serious and less inspiring because <laughs> uh, you guys said it before we hit the record button. What is the origin of oh. uh, Chris being called Princess? I know that, that was, that's now your daughter's call sign. That is my, you know, that, that is guys for everybody out there. This is somebody, this is nobody knows except the guys I work with with State Department. Uh, and I, that was my first call sign was Princess. And yeah, go ahead. You tell the story how I got it from you and Joe. And Which Lucas. wouldn't work on like the Thaddeus t-shirt. Princess. <laughs> you, you know, they, like, should, they should make that. Princess. I'll wear it. I, I, you, know, I, you know I'd wear it. I embraced it. I was like, yeah, fuck you guys. Fine. I'll make myself look you know, prettier. This guy, well, he, this guy, before we even like, we were roommates for a while. <clears throat> this motherfucker would get up and stay in the bathroom for hours fixing his hairs. He's got to look Gotta sharp look good, before dude. he puts his body armor. We're getting geared up, and this motherfucker worried about what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like he's always got to be a princess. And, and it wasn't <laughs> it's like so. That's where and, and, and him and Joe, him and Joe with the with the with Spino Joe Dak uh, man. Um, I think was it you or Joe that did it first because it was it came over the radio. It's like hurry the fuck up, princess. And I was the shift leader, so they had they couldn't go anywhere because I was the leader. They're like hurry the fuck up, princess. Somebody said it on the radio and it stuck, and I can't remember who it was. Uh, I, I don't know if it was, uh, if it, it might've been Espino. I'm not sure. Espino was always doing stupid shit. That motherfucker. I love that piece. I love <laughs> that fucker. Dude. Might've been Espino. I love that dude, but yeah, it, it, it did. They said it on the radio. It's either Espino or Lucas. What are the two? Or Lucas, one of them. And Lucas is tremendous as well. But that's what, I mean, I still look as good as I did then. I think, I mean, I still take with the princess. Don't you think so? Come on. You still love my sexiness. Don't hate it. look it. like a vagina. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's what Rob I have on it. It was amazing. That's what I wrote about him in the book. It's like all this shit happened. And what did he do? He just made like the best, the best limo company in the, in the country, in my opinion. I mean, and I guys, I'd use limo, like not limos, but car companies with the speaking because, and I've done use the limo link and the, what's the other one? Ground link and, and limo link services. And they all, they always fuck up. And Rob is like, his guy's there. He's nice. He's I mean, it's like, man, it just transferred into excelling even though he shouldn't even have been there to begin with. Cause he, as far as we were concerned, he didn't qualify excelling at what he did in the state department. And now he, he all these injuries, he got out of it. The dude can walk normal again. He always kind of walked all fucked up anyway. Cause he's, cause he's robbed, yeah. but 
Um, After I run with I you, yeah, I don't really fucking watch you. But, <laughs> but excelling. And you also have your own truck. I mean, for, you, you even started your own truck company, too. So I did. I did. So running that, too. I'm always dabbling in a lot of different man, things. Man, crazy. Just That's like awesome. you just always thought. Chris knew from uh, even overseas. Oh, well. It, well, I got, I got one more, I got one more story to tell. Yeah, yeah. Go we, ahead, go ahead. This son of a bitch. This is before all the advent of all the cool phones out here. So he had his little Nokia phone, and whenever we were, even when we were on an op, he had his earpiece in, and then he had his phone that could call the states. He had his own international phone and an earpiece in that ear. So even on ops, he was making business deals during the. I was like, Rob, get off your fucking phone, dude. We're, we're on a mission right now. Tell them by we got a fucking we got a mission now. You quit, quit making side deals. I, how do you know it wasn't a girl? And that's well, I didn't even care <laughs> at that point. I was like I didn't even care. It, it was the funniest thing. It's like he still was working even when he was working. I'm like, oh my god, this team. How did I inherit these guys, man? So, but it, you know, you know that team was like was like an all star. We team no, we we that. we did have an all star. That first team, team four. Yeah, we were we were team four was an all star team. You know yeah, that it was it was we we were definitely. You don't make teams like almost that. Every, almost every every member on that team became a shift lead or, or a detail. Shit, lead. Joe's running the program now in in Kurdistan. Yeah. He's still working, but he fucking runs the program now. And the dude's dumber than a bag of hammers. That's just how I know Joe's super intelligent. But anyway, Rob, man, thank you for having us on. Having for having us on. Right, thank you for thank coming you for on. Having me over, <laughs> and it's been a pleasure, my man. man. No, absolutely. And for the audience, you guys could follow Rob on Instagram at Rob Jabber, Rob J-A-B-E-R. And should we throw a plug in there yeah. for, for your limo Blue service Diamond. for people who yeah. are interested? Listen, it's BDL Worldwide. And, and you have so it's and that's, it's just the website, BDLWorldwide.com? Or? Yep, BDLWorldwide.com. And, and we're not just here in Michigan, but we do it, you know, worldwide, actually. He's, he's picking. So. How, by the way, how is it living in Michigan right now? Fucking 18 inches of snow. <laughs> yeah. Would, uh, it just came down the last couple of days. We got 18 inches. Everything okay? Oh, you're, you're you're dealing with the – I know Ian and I don't get into politics on the show or anything. It was Michigan. I don't know. Every time I come down to Michigan, there was a group that was going to protest me during a speech, what, four years ago? Because they didn't know who the fuck I was. They were like, oh, Benghazi, anti-Hillary's anti – and this son of a bitch showed up. He's like, fuck those motherfuckers. It was an Islamic community that didn't want to hear me to tell my story. It wasn't, was it outside of Dearborn? Somewhere right in there. Yeah, it was outside. And, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, Rob, can you show up? At, no, actually, it was in Canton. It was in Canton. Was in Canton, Canton, Canton yeah, Canton, Michigan. And I, Canton, at the theater, it was awesome. I said, Rob, can you show up and tell these people to knock it the hell off? And he showed up, and, but none of them showed up anyway. But he came and it was, it was still pretty awesome. <laughs> so um, I appreciate that, bro. You know, I always got your six. Brother. I know. Same here, man. Same here, brother. I appreciate it. You're you're the man. I still love you, penis head. I still love you. Yeah, you do, JJ. Oh man, no, that that's that's awesome, Robin. And this has been a great episode. And, and I think your story and just the way your candor and everything embodies what we do at the show. You know, the mix of the humor uh, and the combat that you've gone through, but also the resilience yeah. that you experienced and and. The, the inspiration that comes from that story. I think people are going to hear that. And we get emails all the time. You know, I've just read an email from, uh, a, you know, the episode we did with Zach Anderegg, who rescued a puppy yeah. at the bottom of a canyon, a uh, retired Marine. And, and people listen to these back episodes and it inspires them to get through their everyday life. So I think for you, people are going to hear this and they're going to say, if Rob Jabber could get through 
the biggest I uh, car bomb yeah. blast I could get through what I'm ha- having yeah. to go through today. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you for that. And, you know, to be honest with you, the man right there, Princess over there, he, he has a lot to do with, oh, yeah. you know, he shaped me to never quit too. Thanks, bro. You know? Thanks, man. And, you know, I, le- I learned a lot from him, and that's why I got much respect for him. And he, he knows he's my brother from another mother. Hey, he knows Thanks, that. bro. I appreciate it. And you look Mexican almost all, except you, man. You're- uh, you and know, I look, you know I, halfway, so I'm, uh, I look Lebanese a little I bit. I look a little Latino. <laughs> like a little Latino. Hey, love you, man. I, I, man. Love and you, I'll, I'll talk to you later, brother. I will. We'll get with you later. I will. All right, buddy. And Thanks, guys. Pleasure, man. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battle Line Podcast and on Twitter at Battle Line Pod. To sign up for future Battle Line tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.